Ladies and gentlemen, you are so welcome to today's episode of the Tuned In podcast. So my guest today is a life coach for mums who feel like they have lost themselves in motherhood. She supports mothers as they get very clear and confident about who they are now at this stage of their motherhood journey. She has spent the last few years challenging the unrealistic standards of motherhood that we are encouraged to aspire to and in doing so has redefined what's possible not just for her but for mothers she works with. Today's conversation is truly a life-changing episode. Not only is it life-changing for the mums who may be struggling with motherhood, but also for the loved ones of a mother who is struggling. The insight you will come upon because of this conversation will make it worthwhile listening to. This conversation will help us all in opening up to how the narrative needs to change around the topic of motherhood. I cannot recommend this episode enough. The wealth of knowledge my guest has is incredible. So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome my guest today, Jacqueline Kelly. Ladies and gentlemen, you are welcome to today's episode of the Tuned In podcast. I want to say that I am excited for my guest today, but I don't know if I can use that word. And the reason being that this conversation, the topic in hand that we are going to talk about today is very real. It is very raw. And I believe not only as a mum myself, but as a coach that many mothers out there struggle with this topic in hand. And I just voiced to my guest before we pressed record that I want this conversation to be not only for the mums out there, but I want this, I want the dads to hear this. I want the loved ones of mothers that are struggling to understand this topic more, because as I just said, it is real, folks. I have struggled with it myself. And as a coach, I have had these conversations time and time again with mums. The expectations and the judgment and the guilt that we put on ourselves is if it be you know internally or if it be externally with what society expects of us not only as a mother but as a woman and this is why I'm very intrigued by this conversation that we are going to have today so I have yet to introduce my guest but before I do that I actually want to thank my guest because she dedicates her work to this. She dedicates her time to helping other mothers out there to find themselves again and to help them control the guilt and the shame that we have on ourselves. So number one, Jacqueline, thank you for what you do. But secondly, welcome to the Tuned In podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, how beautiful. Thank you. Where to start without... Can you first for the for the for the guest or beg your pardon for the listener, can you explain what exactly is mummy guilt and mummy shame? Like we do, we hear it out there, we hear it across social media, but for the, the listener to understand why we're having this conversation, what would you voice as mummy guilt? Mm. Well, where do I even start on this one? This is a hill I'm prepared to die on in terms of challenging what we are led to believe is mum guilt. 
The work that I have been doing the last over five years, specifically working with mothers, it has allowed me to become very intimate with this beast that we call mum guilt. And as far as I believe, given the research and the undertakings that I have done, it's a social construct. It has been, I'll go so far as to say it's man-made. And you will go on the internet and you'll find memes about it. It's a subject that we joke about, we belittle it, we make light of it. And yet behind closed doors, myself, mothers all around the world, we are crippled by this sense of guilt and shame. And the mum guilt is very specific because I remember reading about this idea of, well, if mum guilt is real, then dad guilt is real. But we don't, we don't speak about dad guilt in the exact same way that we speak about mum guilt. So that led me to believe and to question the validity of what we are using as a weapon to inflict pain upon ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not dedicated enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not slim enough. All of these things, all of these contributing factors that lead us to believe that we deserve to feel guilty, they're not real. And the, the mum's shame as well, the guilt and shame as well. I think the work of Brené Brown has really allowed all of us in layman's terms to understand to a certain extent what guilt and shame are. And I suppose just to say it quickly, the, the guilt is where we believe we've, you know, we've done something bad or wrong. We view the action as negative, whereas shame is I'm wrong, I'm bad. We view myself, the person, as wrong. Like, And often guilt, for example, if I put it in a context of mum, a mum might feel guilty that she wants time for herself or she might feel guilty that she went out with her friends last night or she might feel guilty because she's gone back to work. But the shame creeps in because then she's making that mean that she's a bad mum. And that's where they're so intertwined and they, they love silence, shame in particular, it feeds off of silence. So it's like this double-edged sword. We feel shame and we don't want to talk about it. And we think, I'm not going to speak about this. I don't want people to know this. I'm so ashamed. And yet by not talking about it, it allows the shame to get bigger and take more control and to fester away inside of us. It's so powerful. Now, obviously, we are going to go into that conversation deeper, but can you also explain to us, this is something I have personally struggled with as a mother. When we say that a mother loses their identity, can you explain what you mean by that? Mm -hmm. So our identity, and this is the words that I use now, Celine, just to clarify, because some people might listen to this and be like, oh, why did I not know that? But the words that I use now, these are words that I have learned to explain what I didn't understand many years ago when I was that mum who felt like I was losing herself and who felt she didn't know who she was anymore and that I couldn't understand it. And so now, many years later, having had access to language that has helped me make sense of it, it feels much more manageable and much more understandable and in many ways obvious um, so the idea of losing your identity, our identity, who we believe ourselves to be, we use all of these external things in the world as cornerstone or touches, you know, we, my job, the clothes that I wear, the money that I make, the social life that I have, the books that I read, the free time that I have, the relationships I might be in. All of these things we use to reflect back at us the sense of who we think we are. And so that's, for, for example, if you were having a chat to somebody, you'll get an idea straight away who they identify as. For example, I'm a coach, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a businessman, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mum. So straight away, you have an idea of who they see themselves as in the world. And that identity, 
when we become mothers, it changes overnight. Because even though you're pregnant or perhaps however your baby comes in at your family, surrogacy, adoption, whatever they may be, up until that point, you're still you. Okay, you might be growing a child and there's two of you now, but still all your decisions really center around, what do I want to eat? When will I go to sleep? What am I going to wear? Baby comes, that changes overnight. And so the things that we have used to reassure ourselves of who we have been and who we are, they're gone. Disposable income, um, perhaps you're now on maternity leave or you've had to leave your work. That makes more sense for you or you want to leave your work. The change in dynamic in the relationship, depending on how the birth has went, there may also be now body identity issues in terms of what has happened and what you have yet to process. Free time, there is no such thing as free time, particularly in the early days of motherhood. If you're breastfeeding, then that baby is solely reliant upon the mother then um, in those early days for nutrition, for feeding. So the mother is literally overnight gone from being herself to this new identity of mother and that that impact that the impact that that has on who we see ourselves now is massive and susan moshar actually in her book the mask of motherhood she talks about motherhood is like waking up in a country you don't know the language and you have to navigate around but you don't know where you are and you don't understand what people are saying and you have to learn all of that you have to learn where you are you have to learn how to communicate you have to learn what to do to get through the day and all of that takes the place of who you used to be. I'm just, I'm listening to every word that you are saying and I am nodding in agreement because that explains it so well, so well. And it's right in what you said, <clears throat> excuse me, a few moments ago that not having the words and I don't believe that I had the words back then to understand that, as you said, that I walked into this country not knowing what I was doing what the language was but yet you just you had to plow on and you had to you had to obviously feed and mind and nurture this other human and it's just fascinating already this conversation because it's making so much sense it's now given me language to what I didn't I didn't understand before can I ask you is this something you have personally struggled with yourself or that you do struggle with what is it that got you into this line of work a hundred percent this is me I work with me <laughs> like, <laughs> I work with every version of myself um since becoming a mother because you know I when my husband and I decided after we got married that we wanted to have children thankfully it was a very easy and straightforward journey for us and the pregnancy that I had on my first child was beautiful, you know, to the point where I was like, oh, maybe I feel a little bit of morning sickness, do I? Obviously, I didn't, because I then found out on my second pregnancy, you don't question <laughs> whether or not you have that. Um, and so the pregnancy was textbook. It was beautiful. I was through a midwifery-led unit. And then after I had my son, um, the birth, it didn't go as I had dreamt and as I had hoped. And so my entry into motherhood, I have spoken, I learned and to confidently speak about what I perceived as, you know, traumatic and the, the events that took place, because all of that, it really had such an impact on me, myself, my soul, my motherhood, my relationships. And I felt so lost and I felt so confused and I felt so disappointed that this, this is my experience of motherhood. And yet here have I been waiting for all these things that I've been led to believe are just 
mine for the taking because I'm now a mum. And that the reality of that was so difficult because I I wasn't expecting that. And when it happened and when I was in my motherhood and when I did have all these identity, I had this identity crisis. I had this, you know, the the professional identity had changed and physical. I had um, medical interventions in the birth for Fionn and and I was so physically and so damaged after that, Celine. And I remember just thinking, I have to go on with this now. And people are looking at me to go on with this now. And I, I did go on with it, but inside I was I was just crumbling. And I remember thinking, I don't know what to do. Like, where do I go with this? Um, and so that continued on. I deeply loved my baby. And I think this is what can be very challenging for mums to talk about is because there is it is implied that if we speak about this, then somehow it must mean that we don't love our babies or that somehow we don't love being a mum. And that's not true for the majority of us. Of course, there are mums who are very brave and honest about daily regret motherhood. And that's, you know, that's their experience. But I'm talking about the majority of mums who come up against this still very real taboo about speaking openly and honestly about their negative experiences in motherhood. Wow. Wow. What does it look on a day to day basis with a mum that is riddled in guilt? Um, and the, and again, going back to the, the judgments and the expectations that they have put on themselves. How does that look? What would and again, if this if this comes from your own personal experience or working with mums, what is it that they feel? What is their behavior like on a day to day basis? I think it's very important here to acknowledge that there are such different stages of motherhood. So for the new mum, the brand new mum, it's, I I suppose to be clear as well, I work with mums who are further on in their motherhood. I work specifically with mums who they have gone through possibly the first year, maybe even two, three or four before they contact me because they're at a stage now where they have the space in their life to actually self-reflect and look back and think, I was in survival mode and I was so busy getting through the day and looking after the needs of all my hope, my family and my baby that I haven't tended to the bruises that exist and I haven't actually sat and really thought about what I've been through. So I deal specifically with those mums. So the guilt and the shame that manifests there is slightly different. But if I were to go back to the idea of the brand new mum, the brand new mum, she, I mean, I, we do not pay, I think, enough homage to the becoming of a mother. It has become one of many, many things. And so now it's just, oh, you've had a baby and it's almost like, oh, you've had a baby. And it's so easy to fall into that because that's just the society that we live in. Motherhood is just one more thing. And I think what can happen is we forget to actually sit with that mother and be like, this potentially can really be overwhelming for you right now, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of that. And then the guilt begins to creep in either immediately post-birth because the birth didn't go as planned and she's now taken it upon herself to believe that somehow she wasn't able to do what she imagined that she would be able to do, that her body has somehow let her down. So immediately post-birth, the guilt kicks in. And then possibly guilt starts to make itself known because depending on her choice of feeding, 
because now of course that is something that society will also encourage mums to you know uh, take a stand on black or white right or wrong negative or positive as opposed to it being about what's best for you and therefore your baby and so if a mum chooses to breastfeed but doesn't enjoy it she feels guilty if she chooses not to breastfeed um, she feels guilty so we are almost set up to fail on so many levels of motherhood and that begins to from if you can imagine if you if those feelings of guilt and shame are already creeping in from the start like we are we are almost at a negative then we're trying to claw our way back up to a place of wholeness and a place of feeling like you know I'm doing the best that I can with what I have and I think that's that's an incredible shame on many levels societal levels that we are not fully supporting our mothers new mums and not so new mums how do how do we allow those words what's best for for me or what's best for you how do we allow them to seep into us if it be with regards to breastfeeding or whatever it may be at the beginning of motherhood how do we allow ourselves to understand that these words are vital we need these words and you know again if we use the example of breastfeeding because this is a conversation you know we see this every August with with breastfeeding it's weak I don't think it's day if I'm right it's, it's breastfeeding week you the people you know are starting to stand up that it does not matter whatever your choice if it be breastfed bottle fed it does not matter again it goes back to the words that you're using what's best for you how do we allow ourselves to truly soak those words up mm, that's a good question I think there's so many layers to that because in many ways we also need it to be said to us um, rather than us being able to say it to ourselves and believe it. We, uh, the first step is almost we need somebody to see us, validate us and tell us that it's okay, this is your choice and this is what's best for you and therefore your baby and your family full stop, that's it. There doesn't need to be a big discussion on all of the pros and cons on like in particular say breastfeeding or whatever it is and I think only then like when I reflect back and I was writing about this recently like I understand fully the privileged position I was in in that I was able to speak to my husband and my mother who were concerned about me um in the kind of early months of my motherhood enough that they would ask me you know what's going on and create conversations around it and and I had that space to actually speak about what I was feeling now, I didn't fully go into it because even I was like, I don't, I don't want to risk being completely judged here. But I had enough of a space to speak freely without people jumping in out of fear and love to tell me that there's something wrong and we need to fix this. So I think the spaces that mothers need, we also we have to create them, but we also have to take responsibility to give. We, we can't just take. We take when we need it, but the purpose of the space and the conversations is that we also then, we hold other mothers when they need to be held. Because so much of this idea of the village, you know, we, you, your village is coming or um, circles, they sound wonderful and they, the idea behind them is fantastic. But what can happen is mothers, when they, when they need it and they go to get it, it's not there because it often requires a level of commitment that we also have to give into that circle too. Like if we want other people to help us, we have to be able to listen to what other mothers have to say as well. So for anyone that's listening to, to this episode, and I voice this at, at the introduction, that this is not only going to be for the mums, that I'm going to do my best to voice this 
to the dads and, you know, the mothers and the mothers-in-law and the fathers and the father-in-laws and the sisters and the brothers and friends. How, and I'm talking to myself, I want to know this, how can we be there for a mum? How do we create, you know, that circle and that safety net for that mum? What I, so let me think back now. I've been a mum for over nine years. Um, I started coaching at the end of 2017. So that's five years or so I've been working with mums now. And in the last couple of years, I'm undertaking new studies. And so again, I've completely, I'm evolving in terms of how I see things and how I understand things. And my suggestion, my hope for the people around the mother is to help normalize what she's actually going through, to not be afraid. Because I think so often it's the fear of the new mother who is not even just the new mother, but the, the fear of a mother who bravely speaks of, this isn't what I thought it would be. And rather than be so quick to say that there's something wrong here, be like to meet that with where it's at. Because what can happen is we are ill-equipped to deal with such honest conversation at times because often what can happen is particularly if it's a partner or a parent or a friend we want the best for that person and we have been led to believe that motherhood is this one thing this lovely fulfilling experience yes you might get a dip in hormones which they call the baby blues but after that you'll be back on track and you'll be out there enjoying your maternity leave and if your loved one doesn't look like that then often it's easy to fall into that trap of thinking there's something wrong with her. And out of my love for her, I want to help her get fixed. So immediately, like the actions that are now stemming from this place of concern and fear, they can contribute to her feelings as well of maybe there is something wrong with me. Mm. Or it's an actual fact, if we were to normalize the conversation around, why wouldn't this feel overwhelming? Why wouldn't this feel scary? Why wouldn't you feel lost? Because you have completely changed in a month, six months, a year. You're, you're in a completely new environment. And therefore, your responses and your feelings are probably very appropriate and normal, for want of a better word, given the situation. It's a thing we do it's a, as society that there has to be a label put on it. Yes. Do you know what is wrong? And and you're saying it so well that the it's it's of course you're going to change you're going through something that can't be explained and that changes who you are as a human your entire life and creates a domino effect into all areas of your life and if you're not feeling it if if you're not moving with it as it happens oh there's something wrong with you yeah do you know it's very sad to think that it's so, it, and it's so unfair, I think. And actually, just to touch on what you said there, this experience that we have, like back in 2018, I came across this word matrescence, which thankfully is gaining so much traction now. More and more people are reading about it and talking about it. And we're actually having very public conversations about this concept that back in 2018, it blew my mind that such a thing existed. I was listening to somebody sent me, actually, I think it was a woman either who just thought of me because it was about motherhood and sent it or it was a a client, a very short TED talk by Dr. Alexandra Sachs. And she 
is almost she has picked up this term which was existing before from the women who had done the work before her but she's now reignited back in 2018 the conversation and shown a torchlight back on it again because this word was actually originally developed but it was coined by a woman called Dana Raphael to talk about the transition a woman goes through to becoming a mother and it's a lot of what they speak about, say um, Alexandra Sachs, um, there's another, there's some big thinkers who are talking about this, big academics um, and women coaches. It's they liken it to the concept of adolescence. You know, there's hormonal changes, there's physical changes, there's this whole transition from who you used to be to who you're becoming. And so now to have this word that actually, if we were to take the word and think, well, this actually makes sense on so many levels now when I think about my own experience because all these parts of my life are changing and I am forever changed and will continue to forever change because now I'm a new mum and then I'm a mum of a one-year-old and then I'm a mum of that one-year-old who's starting school and then high school, then college or getting a job and, and then I become a granny, hopefully. So the period, this this term matrescence, it covers the lifetime shift and evolution of our motherhood experiences and I think that's incredible. God, it is. When you think of it that... It's not just a case of that you become a mother and everything changes. As you said, it's a one-year-old and then you're trying to deal with the toddler and you yeah. know what's quoted as the terrible twos. And then they go off to school and you have to, you know, detach yourself and let them lead mm. their life. But you've been minding them for the past five years and then they go into like it just is it's forever changing and it's forever evolving and it's something yes. that we as 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 mothers and of course we don't want to forget the dads there that it's having to go with that change yeah. you have to try and learn from that change and it's forever moving it's not just a case of learning when you become a mother and that's it you've yeah. learned you've you've overcome quote unquote the baby blues a term that I'm not mad about but yeah me too it's oh. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we might go there yeah. in a yeah. um that it's just we're we're, we're learning throughout yeah. this journey of of a parent for a mother that is listening to this and is resonating with what we are talking about how would you get them to go about if it be just let's say for instance contacting a coach or wanting to learn more about gaining their identity back learning how to be who they are as well as a mother what would you say to them um again it would depend on where they are and yeah. now I think what what I'm really in the past I previously would have been more I would have the nuances of a sledgehammer, for example, whereas the past couple of years, I'm now realizing that, you know, there are motherhood, we don't have a birth and then we become a mother. All of that happens on top of the lifetime experiences that we have had. Mm -hmm. And so depending on the mother and her presentation in terms of, is it that she feels lost and could really benefit from working like with myself or another coach? Or is it that she needs therapy? Is it that she needs to go into a space, particularly postnatal, postpartum women? It's a very specialized area to be to be held in. And there's actually um there's a woman called Karen Kleiman, and she she set up online, it's called the Postpartum Stress Center, I think it's on Instagram. And she has been working in this field for so long. And she talks about, 
you know, it's a very specific need that postpartum women have because there might be harmful or intrusive thoughts going on about, you know, what if I drop my baby or what if I threw my baby out the window um, or what if I fell into the bath on top of my baby? And she's normalizing the fact that women all over the world have these thoughts. And so she is smashing down all of these invisible but very real boundaries. And she's allowing mothers to congregate online and have these conversations to be able to say, oh my God, I, I've been thinking that too. Or I'm so angry at my partner and I, I resent the fact that here am I knee deep in all of this and he's going to work and he gets to hang out with adults and he makes money and and I am here like smelly. I'm having had a shower for three days. I don't want to have a shower. My child is crying. I can't clean the house because I'm exhausted, but feel like I have to. And so this is the reality that happens behind most closed doors. And I think if we were to encourage mothers to begin with, sometimes it's actually about going online. That's the safest option to actually find Instagram pages or Facebook pages or groups where you might even observe. You might not necessarily participate in the conversation yet because that first step of accepting that this is how you're, how you're feeling, that sounds so simple you know, accept the reality. Yeah. And that, yeah, I get that. But the actual acceptance of, I'm in a time in my life that I've possibly been waiting for for a long time. And it's not anywhere near what I thought it would be. Because in order to accept that, we have to really open up the heart and everything and be okay with that to a certain extent. So I think the first step would really be go online and, you know, find chats and read what other mothers are writing. To a certain extent as well don't become then you know knee deep in that that becomes your own that you start to torment yourself but when we can start to see that conversations are happening about things that perhaps you don't feel safe enough yet to talk about in person and then from there like it's who do you trust who in your life do you know that you could go to and speak to and then possibly after that it might be a coach depending on where you're at emotionally or it could be a therapist and again finding governing bodies in Ireland as you know Celine you know it's find one who is signed up to an accrediting body and work with them and test them and see is this what because I have found in every group program I run a group program for mums every single round of this program usually on week one possibly week two we're all talking about the subject, that particular topic that week, but within half an hour, there will always be one, possibly two mothers on there who actually have very deep, deep underlying trauma of things that have happened in the past or during the birth. And that sits there consuming all of their energy mm -hmm. before they're able to actually do any type of deep work. That, that needs to be almost gently unpacked a little bit. Mm -hmm. Can we go back to that term, that term that is used if people could see the, the, the smirks, but the baby blues. I, I, I even hate saying it. I know. Recently, someone I was talking to voiced that term. And I lovingly and respectfully asked them to never use that term again yeah. and I will be honest they they didn't quite understand it and to me and just in my opinion it is the biggest insult that you can give to a woman yes. to a mother to use that term it's a bit of the baby blues 
can yeah. you go can you can you just delve into um, what your opinion because you voiced earlier on that you weren't mad about that term yes. why is that okay first of all I sent out an email yesterday allow me to read you a paragraph from yes, the email please. Celine because yes um, please I, I, it references baby blues okay. so um I was talking in the email about my newish understanding of the when I look back over the, my experience of motherhood and this particular paragraph I say I realized very early on that there was a lot of lip service paid to the experience of new mothers and what I mean by this is that we are told about the dip in hormones that we might experience after a few days and that we should be prepared for the baby blues to not be frightened if we feel a bit sad. Personally, I find some of the language used in speaking to mothers to be patronizing and lukewarm at best. The baby blues, you speak to me of baby blues whilst I bleed, leak milk, have no sense of who I am anymore. I'm surviving on what feels like 23 seconds of sleep. No, thank you. I want to be spoken to like the adult woman that I am. I want to be spoken to in terms that speak to the reality of the situation and not some pastel version of what I have just lived through. And that to me, when we speak to women about what they've been through immediately post-birth and then wrap it up, you might have the baby blues. I I, I really take umbrage with that because I think it almost then we are preempting any type of raw, fierce conversation because they are now being told all of that you feel is going to come under this label of baby blues. So immediately it shuts us down because we're like, oh, this must be the baby blues. No. So much more. It's the emotions that are coming to surface for me, obviously that you can hear clearly. You have hit the nail on the head with that term. And that's why, as I said, like, when that person and I, and I honestly cannot remember the conversation where exactly we were going with the conversation with this person. But as I said, I lovingly and respectfully ask him to never use that term because it is, as I said, the biggest insult that you can pay to a mother. But that paragraph that you read out, it's obviously so much more than just the term baby blues. And it's like it's it's brushing off how we truly feel and we don't allow ourselves to truly feel and this is why this conversation and this is why I didn't want to use the word excited that I'm excited for this conversation because this conversation is so real it is raw it is happening every day to millions of mothers across this globe and you've just you have voiced it so well in that paragraph it's just amazing. I feel so I feel when I hear the term baby blues, I feel what possibly in many ways society is conditioning us to feel. And yet there's part of me inside of, there's a part inside of me that refuses, it refuses to accept such a, like it's such a nice, like baby blues, you know, the look at the lovely baby blue color of, your buggy that you might buy and and you're like Let, let's let's just be honest here like the dip in hormones yes but wh- why is it a dip in hormones because my body has literally done this incredible thing and now you dare to speak to me of 
baby blues like let's talk about what actually happens and the result that it might occur as a result of what my body and my soul and my mind have just gone through and I think when we can talk about it in terms like that then from the outset we are we're encouraging and giving permission to those mothers to be like oh wow <laughs> what have I just come through and birth can be a glory like I had a home birth on my second baby because of the deep deep hurt that I felt um, in the hospital on my first delivery and so it felt safer and more just more everything to have a home birth and so that birth was incredible and it was beautiful but still people would tell me about the dip again and I'm like don't speak to me about these baby blues if you want to have a conversation about this then let's talk about what's actually happening um physically physiologically mentally emotionally spiritually all of that um is this something that is mainly coming from an internal or an external so in other words when I'm when I'm talking about this is this a belief that we have on ourselves that that this is why we have the expectations put on ourselves as a mother or is this coming mainly from society what do you believe I believe they're linked. I, I think it's like the chicken and the egg. Um, because like there, there is no doubt, like a couple of years ago, if somebody had spoken to me about, you know, capitalism and patriarchy, I would have run a mile. I would have been like, oh, what is this? Like I've heard about these words. And then um, having worked with my own coach, Kerry Jarvis in the UK, uh, she, she really deconstructs the structure of society in terms of capitalism and poverty and social injustice and that has added to my own research and belief about we are very deeply conditioned and disciplined into believing a particular model of motherhood exists and that that is upheld we see it in movies we see it in magazines we see it online we see it in the books that we buy off the bookshelf like if when i was pregnant i bought every like bestseller book because that i, I love to devour in from it's like i'm a project management i'm having a baby so let's read this 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 and little did i know at the time that all that information was doing was actually reinforcing everything that had already internalized from a young age in terms of duty, obligation, whose responsibility motherhood or parenthood actually is, um, the type of birth that I would have, the, you know, the permission to feel a little bit sad those first few days due to the baby blues, but after that you get on with it or you're postnatally depressed. So those were, that, that was the education that I had. And, you know, I value my education and didn't question that. I didn't question it being one-sided because I didn't know that it was one-sided. Because again, it's that idea of lip service. These books tip the hat to maybe a couple of pages talking about feeling sad or going to your doctor because you're postnatally depressed. And then I had the lived reality of becoming a mother and realizing, wow, this is not what I've been sold. And we have been sold. This is the billion dollar industry, the diet industry, the beauty industry. Motherhood's no different. Like we are being sold gimmicks and lies. We are being encouraged to believe that we need all of these things. But all of those things ultimately serve as a distraction because if you, if the mother is not thriving, if the mother is not being supported, then all of that, it, it, it means nothing. 
to the listener. So I'm going to say to the human, that's li- I'm not going to say to the mum or to the dads or, as I said, you know, the, the loved ones. Because I do believe that even mums ourselves, we can hold those judgments. We can believe what society is telling us. But as a human, how do we go about changing what has been voiced to us for so many years and what continues to be voiced? If I'm listening to this and and I'm asking even even I may be, you know, the one asking the questions here, but I want long lasting change in this and and you could hear the emotions earlier on with me like I've I've had those judgments those expectations thrown at me over the course of the past you know eight years being a mum how do we go about changing them if I want to be a part of this movement what can we do I mean I think it's the conversations is where it has to start and you know sometimes and it goes back to that observer piece that is being sometimes even just observing that these conversations are happening because I remember in the early days thinking nobody's talking about this nobody's doing this but that that was wrong there are hundreds of thousands of women all over the world talking about this it's just not mainstream and we it requires a little bit of searching on the internet or like I was lucky I stumbled across I think I say lucky but I was knee deep like in sadness at midnight upstairs in my room scrolling while my baby lay beside me um, and came across the page of a woman called Beth Berry Revolution from Home and I, I wept and sobbed reading blog after blog after blog of hers because finally I found someone who was talking about motherhood that I f- like deeply deeply resonated with me and my husband came upstairs and I was a mess and I was like you know this is I, I'm actually okay and um and she changed my life she changed the trajectory of my motherhood experience so after I did that Celine I was actually going to a conference that weekend and I was so hungry for connection that I started having conversations with mums and actually almost like closed my eyes and took the leap and said, motherhood's really hard or I'm really struggling. And that weekend I had conversation after conversation after conversation with other mums who were like me too. Like, you know, the breastfeeding, my nipples are killing me and um, my relationship's suffering. And, and I realised what it took for me for that to happen was being the one to speak. And so often we're frightened to be the first one because we don't want to be labelled as not coping and we don't want to be labelled as, you know, ungrateful or we don't want to be labelled as selfish. And yet we need we need everybody, we need to hear other people's conversations and stories in order to give permission to somebody else. So start, start, start with yourself. Create the conversation. Have speak to another mum and actually be honest you know don't divulge everything if you feel unsafe of course but certainly drop a little snippet and test the waters and if and if it doesn't go as planned try it again mm-hmm. find somebody else because there's somebody who's waiting to hear what that mom has to say that's that's so true for everything yes it's, it's, it's one thing that i say over and over and over again on social media and and I'm an advocate for social media. I think there is serious, serious power and positivity across the board in social media. And obviously then it comes it comes with with the complete opposite. 
but I voice that I will do my best to always be honest with the people that follow me. And I've had it. And it's not that it, it occurs every day or even every week, but there are times when people will send me a message and say that I just love how honest you are. Mm-hmm. So I believe what you are saying. And it's not easy because there are times when I put something out there, I'm like, oh, yeah. is something going to be said? What's the backlash that's 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 going to occur here? But um, more times than that, it, it lifts me up yeah. being that person that's, as you said, starting starting the conversation. How would a person, would a mum deal with backlash from, if it be a family member, a loved one, a friend, with regards to putting themselves first what would you say um, well so often the imagined backlash is actually a lot worse than the real backlash for a start um, now there are times when there is horrendous backlash but the majority of the time we have created a narrative about what we think will happen if I were to yes. actually have this conversation or if I were to put down this boundary and hold it or if I were to create the time and then stick to that and any of the mums I've worked with and even myself included it's about again going back to that idea of there has to be a leap of faith at some point because we have to choose change and if we don't then we're choosing to stay the same and sometimes it's only the fact that choosing to stay the same gets so uncomfortable that we are forced to make a decision and then sometimes it's a very exaggerated action or a very exaggerated form of the conversation because we have waited so long so the backlash then is from somebody who's now very defensive and feels attacked because it's the form that the conversation has taken has become very exaggerated Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of the backlash I would encourage or invite anybody who has got something specific in mind that they would like to start implementing or that they would like to start changing it is vital that they centre themselves and why they're doing that because everything else will fade away and people will not like your decisions. And then ultimately it comes down to, am I going to choose to make all of these other people happy at the cost of my own sanity or at the cost of my own inner peace, whatever you want to call that? Am I going to choose trying to maintain a version of myself that pleases all these people over myself? And I think when we answer that question, it can be, again, that acceptance piece. Like, it's hard to accept that I have been choosing those people over me. But now that I know that, then it comes back to what am I going to do with the information that I have? And if I am so centered in what I believe to be true and what's right for me and the decisions that I'm making, then, I mean, we've all had experiences where we have made a decision and people don't like it, but we're so certain and we're so sure, or we're at least so determined to hold out because we know what's coming in terms of the peace and the joy and the comfort that actually the backlash and the discomfort it's never as bad as we thought it was going to be because we're we're, we're prepared ourselves for it so stay strong I think and really anchor into why you want to have those conversations or why you're doing the thing that you want to do in the first place where if if a mum is listening to this and she's saying like I just don't know where to start what is the first step that and I know you did voice it um you did voice it earlier on with regards to you know the pages that you would follow on social media that for a mum that wants to build on their self-care that Mm -hmm. wants to start prioritizing themselves first and to try and detach as such from guilt to try and stop guilt controlling their Mm -hmm. lives the very and they just 
they're just they're lost they just want to take that tiny Mm. baby step again what would you voice to them I would say challenge the guilt this is something that comes up and let me give you a couple of real life examples um one where a mum wanted and this is very common for say mums who are at home working without pay because they're obviously with the children and the housework and then also for mums who are outside the home and who are working for pay and then coming home the weekend has become this like big thing but it's family time we have to have family time and often that will be at the expense of a couple of hours that the mum desperately craves for herself even an hour she might want an hour but she can't because she's telling herself that the family time is more important and so it's this agenda and it's this fantasy again about what the fantasy time means and so the guilt is there because the mum wants the time but she's not taking the time and so what I've done in this situation is I would ask the mum, so what specifically, specifically do you feel guilty about here, about taking this time? And then we start to go and she, she might say, well, you know, it's family time and we have to spend this time together and we all have to be together. Me, my husband, the two kids, whatever. We're going to go and do this. We're like, OK. And what are the drawbacks of all of that happening to you? And she's like, well, you know, there are no drawbacks. And that's not true. We, there's always a drop where there's a benefit, there's a drawback. And so when we can start to open up this one-sided fantasy around what are the drawbacks to your partner then of you always being there? And then that's when we start to say, well, when I'm there, as we know, when mum's there, the kid's default is often, and I'm being very general here because obviously every family is different, but the, the kids will often be like, mum, where's this? Mum, where's that? Mum, do this. Mum becomes, you know, the all ever being. And so the dad very rarely actually gets to create and form those intimate bonds and be the caregiver and be the one that takes them out for the afternoon and be the one that they have fun with on their own. And so there's a whole other side of this conversation that we're not looking at because we're so busy being consumed by this guilt that we believe to be true. Because as a mother, it's our job to be there all the time. And that's not true. And so when you can start to challenge your guilt and look at what would be the drawbacks to you continuing to do the thing that you're doing, even though you don't want to? Or what are the benefits, for example, of you having an hour of yourself? What are the benefits to your partner? What are the benefits to your children? What are the benefits to you? And we start to see the ripple effect. And then when we start to see there are more benefits than drawbacks, then it, it somehow eases that guilt and we, we we do the thing. And then, as you know, that thing has to become a practice. You don't do it once and then it's like, oh, geez, I don't feel guilt anymore. <laughs> we have to practice uh, this so that eventually now then you just say, okay, these are, these are my plans. I'm off and I'll see you later, knowing full well that actually they're going to have a great time. They're going to have a great day and you're going to get your needs met. Their needs are being met. Everybody's okay. And that can result in a much happier dynamic. I have had my own personal experience with this. If you don't mind me voicing this, um, I believe everything that you were saying. When I started back with my very first session with a coach in late 2016, I went in for my career. Now, at that time, I was on maternity leave. I don't really know why it was at the center of my te- but this would have been after when I had my 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 son, my second child. And obviously at that point, unknowns to me, I felt somewhat lost and it quickly changed. I left that first session with a task that my coach had set me that I was to leave the house when my husband came in for one hour a week 
to go down to the local local coffee shop for any Canadian that's listened to this this Tim Hortons um I miss it dearly so I do it's the <laughs> Canadian version of Dunkin Donuts but my goal was to sit with a hot chocolate with a book for an hour and it was the most uncomfortable mm. thing that I could have done now I done as such what I was told to do I don't I didn't realize at the point that this was so much more than my career, but clearly my my coach could see this. And so I persevered with it. And, you know, as the weeks went on, I, you know, may have taken two hours or went for a longer period of time. But today I and I don't want to say this arrogantly that but I have such great level of confidence that I walk out of the house with no guilt because I know and I say this time and time again on social media that I know I am a better everything by taking that hour out. If it be to go to the gym or if it be to just meet a friend, I am a better mum. I'm a better wife. I'm a better human. I'm my my work level is is better because I'm taking that time to myself. And as you said, that it's great that they can take time with dad and just have dad because otherwise it's mammy, mammy do this. Yeah, Where's yeah. that? It's just, but as again, it goes back to the words that you said, it took time. It's mm-hmm. a practice. I did not. And if I can bring my hubby into this, that I don't think I believe that he understood why I was doing this back at the very beginning. Whereas I, today he's like, you need to get out. You've been in the house all day. Go on. It's grand. I'll do the dinner or whatever. Yeah. He's because he sees how I am. So I just want to voice that for anyone that's listening to th- this is a practice, but it's it is something worth doing. I cannot state that enough. Yeah, absolutely. I could talk to you all day, Jackie. <laughs> I really could. But before we we go is there is there any words that you would like to voice to the people listening to today's episode? I think if I could in some way offer a little bit of the benefit of my own lived experience of these nine and a half years to speak to the brand new mums who might be completely lost in all of this, it's to reassure them and let them know that actually their feelings that they, that feel very real they are real and motherhood is as challenging and as hard and as lonely and as overwhelming as it is beautiful and joyous and fulfilling. It's all of it. And not to believe that the darker side of it, the anger, the rage, the upset, the disappointment, the grief, like that, that doesn't exist because when we pretend it doesn't exist, we, we disown it and we bury it in shadow, but it doesn't mean it's gone. It just means that it's waiting for its chance to be welcomed back to the table And for the mothers who are further along in their experience and who are perhaps now beginning to look back and process all that they have been through, it's to reiterate the normalcy of that too. It's to, I suppose, just to drive home this idea of motherhood and the feelings that we have on it. It's from moment to moment, never mind day to day. We can be overfilled with joy and bursting with love and then the next want to rage against the machine because our child won't put the shoes on. And it's okay, like that. that's part of it too. So I think just to reiterate the normalcy of the challenges that we face. Thank you again for Thank the you. work you do. If for anyone that is not 
that is not following Jacqueline on social media. I cannot recommend her page enough. She is real with regards to the topic of motherhood. So thank you for always being you, um, not only in this episode of the podcast, but obviously, you know, throughout the work you do and on your Instagram page. And thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. I've loved it.